All right, well, why don't you guys do this? Open up your Bibles uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians. And uh, why don't you turn to, uh, to chapter 11. Turn to chapter 11 and entitle your notes, The Thanksgiving Table. And uh, I think that's about the most appropriate title that I can come up with. And uh, what I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking, I wish I didn't, I didn't title this The Thanksgiving Table. I wish I would have titled this Two Thanksgiving Tables. Uh, that would have had a little bit more uh, zip to it, uh, but I'm already in it now. But I am going to be talking about two Thanksgiving tables. I'm going to talk about the Thanksgiving table that uh, each of us are going to sit at tomorrow. And uh, let me just say to anyone here, if your family is, is um, uh, uh, in transition right now, um, I just want to let you know, I remember uh, having Thanksgiving with my dad after the divorce at Bennigan's. Um, and uh, I remember my, my Thanksgiving dinner was a, a Monte Cristo. Has anyone ever had a Monte Cristo at Bennigan's? Uh, so it doesn't matter what season you're in uh, or what your Thanksgiving is going to look like. There are certain principles um, that are laced in a Thanksgiving that run parallel to uh, the supper that we're going to have uh, with God and every person that's ever believed in Jesus Christ when we get to heaven. So uh, I'm going to talk about five principles that exist um, at our Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm going to show you how those exact five same principles exist uh, at the Thanksgiving table of Jesus Christ. And uh, let me just say this as well. I don't have this on my notes, but I just feel my spirit kind of pulling me in this direction. Uh, the holidays... Uh, have been noted as the most depressing time of the year. And uh, it's interesting that I'm feeling that right now because uh, I, uh, it's not on my notes and my notes are kind of in this direction and, and I will get to that in just a minute. But the minute I got up here and uh, as soon as the band sat down, I could just feel my heart of compassion going towards some people in this room that Thanksgiving this year is not everything that it once was. And uh, I just want to let you know that if this is going to be a tough Thanksgiving for you, uh, I just want you to keep a couple things in mind. Number one, um, God is doing something special in you tomorrow. Um, and you just need to embrace that. He's doing something special in you tomorrow. And, um, and you say, well, why are you saying that? There's something I've learned about God. Whenever God created the world, um, and you just give me this. Can I, can I have a few moments to follow my heart a little bit? When, when God created the world, he did a bunch of moving uh, in the first six days. He did a bunch of uh, moving. Uh, he created things. You could see him creating things, creating the sun, creating the moon, creating the stars, making animals, making water, making trees. And then all of a sudden, uh, he starts making Adam. Um, and then all of a sudden, he stops moving. And um, we don't know what happens. And then all of a sudden, he begins breathing. And when he breathed, life came into 
Adam and Eve. And sometimes God is moving and we like it when he's moving because we can see what he's doing. But when he stops moving, just know he starts breathing. And God will be breathing into you and breathing into your life tomorrow. And he's forming you, which is, uh, some of you may say, well, I don't want him breathing into me. I'd just rather have X, Y, and Z. If you knew the power of that breath, you would elevate that moment more than you are right now. So tomorrow is a very special day for you. Second thing I want to say is this, is life moves in seasons. Life moves in seasons. And, and coming from a, a home where uh, it, it, it's, uh, it was broken for a long period of time, uh, I can just tell you that years later, um, it's wonderful how God all of a sudden brings what seems as if it was never going to come back. He brings it around again. And it's different for every single family. Uh, the way God has brought it around again for Allie's family is completely different than the way he's brought it back around for my family. Uh, but let's just have a moment, a family moment here in this room. Um, by the raising of your hand, uh, how many of you, um, for a period of time, Thanksgiving was incredibly difficult, um, and now it has come back around, and now it's somewhat enjoyable? Why don't you just raise your hand right where it's at? You see how God works? You see how he does that? Why don't you keep them up really, really high, and I want everybody to look around, okay? Keep them up really high and look around. And see, you know, I just know I, that wasn't prompted. I didn't talk to people out in the hallway and say, okay, when I say this, I need you to raise your hand. Um, I just know that this is how God moves. Uh, and I, we've all been watching him do it forever. But when it's you, it feels completely different. Uh, and I just want you to know your hand will be up. It might be up next year. It might be up the year after that. But God has a way of bringing it all back around and you can have that Thanksgiving and it'll be sweeter than it ever was because you know what it feels like to not have it. Does that make sense? All right, so I, ho I don't know who I was talking to there, but I just want to bless you in that regard. Uh, let's dive right into it. Um, and I want to talk about five things at our Thanksgiving table. So if you're taking notes... Uh, again, I'm going to talk about five things, uh, five table manners, if you will, that exist at our Thanksgiving table. And then I'm going to take those same exact things and parallel them to the, the Thanksgiving table that Jesus sat at. Uh, so here we go. Let's dive into it. Number one, um, as far as our Thanksgiving dinner is, come home and embrace the family. Um, now, everyone here... Uh, that has uh, family coming over tomorrow, chances are there's one particular person you kind of hope doesn't show up. Do you know what I mean? It's just like chances are, and, and we won't say their name out loud, and if you're sitting next to them, don't point at them. That can be awkward, but there's always one person in the family that is just it, it, just a little bit. They're they're the pepper, you know. They're the you know they're the black sheep, you know. They're the ones that every family's got one, okay. And and if you say, well, not my family, you might be that one. 
I'm just saying. And so uh, I want to encourage you that if, if you are the one that gets to say the prayer over the food, as tempting as it may be, do not do an evangelical prayer and try to get them saved. Just pray for the food and eat. All right? Just embrace that person. Let that person feel welcome. Don't start praying like, in God, thank you for this turkey and the green beans and the corn. And thank you that people are going to have good attitudes here that don't, just don't even go there. Just, just, it'll be tempting, but don't. Okay? So point number one is, is come home and embrace the family. Just embrace the family. Just embrace them all. All right? Just embrace them all. And number two. Regard your host with proper praise. Now, uh, for the past six years, uh, my wife and I have hosted the Thanksgiving uh, at my house. Um, Now, my house is an interesting home because uh, I'm half Brazilian and I'm half Italian. That means full crazy. That's what that means. And so when I'm with my mother's side, the Brazilian side, just don't even look at anybody. Just, just, you know how you kind of, have you ever been on the subway in New York? Like you're looking around, but you're not, you don't look at anybody. Do you know what I mean? It's just, that's what you do on the Brazilian side. You just don't even look at anybody. Like, what are you looking at? Or there's going to be a fight. On the Italian side, don't breathe around anybody. And then there won't be uh, a fight. Um, and so... Uh, my wife and I have hosted it at our house for the past six or seven years. Well, ever since we've had three kids, our, our youngest just turned one, we have pitched the ball to my father, so we're all going to go to Kingwood and have Thanksgiving at his house. Um, and so having been the host, uh, it's proper, uh, and I, I've never realized how important it is, but to celebrate and to say thank you to the host. Thank you so much. Celebrate them, honor them, and appreciate them. Are you with me? How many of you have hosted and you're like, I would have liked one thank you, just one. I'm not asking for flowers. I just want one thanks. Are you with me? See, some of you can't raise your hand because you have too many family members here. I understand. I understand. It's okay. It's okay. So celebrate it. Number three is enjoy the feast for all it's worth. I just want to just say something uh, incredibly honest. Tomorrow it is rude to be on a diet. Can I get some, uh, some help on that? It is rude. It is rude to be on a diet. Okay? It's rude. Um, Now, what what do I mean by that? There's 365 days in the year. 365 days in the year. And, And for us to meet our health goals, for all of us to meet our health goals, it requires a A pattern. And so it's the pattern that's going to reach our goals. The one day out of 365 is not going to tilt the scale any way or the other. It's the pattern. Are you with me? So you cannot be on a diet tomorrow. It's rude. Don't pick. Shovel it. (laughs) 
shovel it. When you go to get dessert, not a slice, a chunk. If anyone, everyone here has got to wear elastic something or another. Sweatpants, basketball shorts, no belts allowed. You just got to be able to expand. Right? Are you with me? It's rude. Let me just make a, a few comments about this. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's not a day for, for holding back. It's a day for diving in. Right? All right. Just remember I said that. If you catch anybody tomorrow picking, just say, my pastor told me to tell you. <laughs> Shovel it. Don't pick at it. Shovel it. Everybody say, shovel it. Shovel. Oh, you sound good. Shovel it in. All right. Potato pie or pumpkin pie? Raise your hand for potato. Raise your hand for pumpkin. Whoo, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like the pecan or pumpkin? Pecan, pumpkin. Oh, my goodness. Ham or turkey? Turkey, ham. When you go for seconds, do you go for meat or do you go for sides? Raise your hand for sides. Raise your hand for meat. It's almost 50-50 all the way around, you know? Yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, that bird needs to be on the table so nobody asks me why didn't I have a bird on the table. As far as I'm concerned, if it's not starch, I don't want it. I want all starch. Starch, starch, starch. I want casseroles. You know what a casserole is? It means you don't know what it is. That's the truth. You don't know what it is. It's a casserole. What is that casserole? That means you have taken four or more things and put it in a pot or a pan and you don't know what it is. You're just going to call it a casserole and we're going to say, oh, okay. You don't know what it is. We don't know what it is. You threw some nuts on there and made it look pretty. All right. So just dive right in. Number four. Unusual prayer is fitting here. Unusual prayer. Now, um, I have said a lot of prayers for food in my life. And, and depending on the company, depending on my mood, and depending on how hungry I am, uh, depending on all those things, uh, has a lot to do with what kind of prayer I'm going to pray. I've been known to say, thank you, Jesus, and just start eating. Are you with me? I've been known to be so hungry that I just start eating, get halfway through and go, oh, thank you, Jesus. I've been known to crack a few jokes in the middle of my prayer sometimes. But it's unusual to have a prayer for food and to sincerely start a list of things that you're thankful for. That's unusual. But it's appropriate to be unusual on Thanksgiving Day. Does that make sense? 
I, I've, I've got a, a friend of mine that says, don't pray long when there's hot food on the table. I got another friend that says, don't catch up on your prayer life with hot food on the table. I understand that. And, and in most cases, that, that may or may not be true. But on Thanksgiving, unusual prayers are called for. Everybody got that? Last and uh, finally, at our Thanksgiving table, our, all of us, speaking for all of us, it's appropriate to wash your hands before you eat. Now, that may seem silly. It's like, hello? Yeah, that may seem silly. But um, it, it's, it sounds like it's unnecessary to say, but there's, there's more happening than just cleaning um, the, the dirt off your hands. There's like this preparation of it's time to eat. Okay, it's, it's the preparation. There's nothing else that I am going to do between now and eating. It is time to eat. It's like the official start line. So let's take those five things that are principles for our Thanksgiving dinner. And let's use those same exact five principles and see how they parallel with a dinner, the final dinner, the Thanksgiving dinner that Jesus had. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17, Paul begins to talk about Jesus sitting down, giving thanks. Okay? And uh, it's his, it's, he, Paul begins to talk about, which is very interesting. So let's just dive into it right now. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. It reads like this. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Are you guys catching this? It's kind of a curveball. It's like he's writing this group of people and he's saying, look, when you guys get together, I'm not sure if, if it's good or if it's bad. It sounds like more bad is happening than good. All right? Watch this. First, verse 18, first I hear that there are divisions among you. When you meet as a church... And to some extent, I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. Now, let's keep on reading. Verse 20. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you are in a hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. Watch this. What? That kind of a rhetorical question there. Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking, or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. So what's happening here? So point number one is come home and embrace the family. What he's saying is he's going, look, guys. And he's writing to a church. He goes, you guys are coming together and you're having communion. You're coming together and you're fellowshipping with each other. 
He goes, but, but I'm not really too sure that what you guys are doing is good. Which has got to be shocking because church people always feel like they're doing good when they come together. And Paul's saying, no, 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 I don't think so. First of all, there's a lot of division among you. There's always somebody saying something negative about somebody. So I don't know that that's even good. I, I, I just wish, I don't even know that those people are an asset to the church. It might be better for them just to go somewhere else. Uh, so I'm not sure about that. And then number two, uh, there, you guys are having dinner and fellowship with each other and you're excluding people. And I read up on this and I read some uh, some, some, uh, 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 some biblical scholars and theologians and did some background on this passage. And what was happening is, is that these Christians would come together and they were excluding poor people. And they were excluding non-Christians. And so they were just kind of having this holy little huddle of Christian people eating with Christian people. And, and Paul is saying, hey, don't you have your own house for that? Can't you go home and eat by yourself and do that? He's saying, look, you need to embrace the entire family. You need to like invite people over. And so if you are taking notes, I'd like for you to, to write these two things down. The unlikable and the unsaved. The unlikable and the unsaved. You know, we're not, when we come together uh, to celebrate Jesus, when we come together to worship Jesus, when we come together uh, on once a month and we have communion, or we come together and we worship on Sundays, we worship on Wednesdays, uh, Paul would tell all of us, hey guys, hey, 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 don't just, don't just be focused on what you can get because you can do that in your car. You got KSVJ in your car. Uh, you can uh, read your Bible uh, at home and watch Joel Osteen at home. Um, but when you come together, when you come together, make sure you include unsaved people, <coughs> excuse me, and unlikable people. Make sure you include the whole family. And it's interesting how he's saying this. I want you to include people. I want you to to bring people. I want you to invite people. I, I, I want you to do this. And, and I just want to say that when you do this, you will never enjoy living for God more. You will never enjoy living for God more than when you're bringing people to the house of God. Let me give you an example. For those of us in this room that are having Thanksgiving tomorrow by ourselves, like I told you before, I had Thanksgiving with my dad at Bennigan's. It was not nearly as fun without the entire family there. And Jesus is the exact same way. He's saying, I love Sunday morning and I love Wednesday night, but I want my whole family here. I want my whole family here. So let me encourage you, all week long, keep your head on a swivel, keep looking around, Keep inviting people and bring them. You will never enjoy your relationship with God more. You will never get more out of the Thanksgiving table whenever I'm trying to feed you from the Word of God. You will never get fed more and enjoy the meal more 
than when you're including the whole family. Watch this. Number two. Regard your host with proper praise. Now let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And of all the verses in the whole Bible, this might be one of my favorites. Okay? Let me read it and then I'll explain to you why. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Everybody say, from the Lord himself. One, two, three. One, two, three. So he's saying, I'm going I'm to tell you what the Lord himself told me. Now here we go. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying this. Can I have that uh, bottle of water right there, Brother Dwayne? Paul is saying this. That the night before Jesus died, the night before he died, he's sitting with his disciples and Paul is saying this. He's saying he sat down, he took a cup, and he had some bread, he broke it, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, Time out. How does Paul know what Jesus did the night before he was crucified? Because Paul was not there. He was not one of the disciples. He wasn't even a Christian. This was when his name was Saul. He was out beating and arresting Christians. When Jesus was sitting down for the Last Supper, Paul was out arresting Christians. So how does Paul know what Jesus was doing? And then Jesus is crucified. Paul is still a sinner. Jesus goes in the grave and then goes to heaven. Paul still isn't even a Christian. So how does he know what Jesus was doing? Because the Lord himself told them. So either one or two things happened. Either Jesus... Showed up in Paul's room and told them. Or Paul was in the presence of Jesus in a spiritual world and Jesus told Paul himself what happened the night before he was crucified. That, my friends, is awesome. So, why did I say all that? Because regard your host with proper praise. What he's saying here is, is that Jesus went out of his way in a miraculous way to tell him this phenomenal story about the last Thanksgiving supper that Jesus had. That he's unbelievable. And so when we come into his house, give him the proper praise. To give him 
the proper attention. I want to say this. I'm not just saying this because our worship leaders are, are in this room right now. But, man, I tell you what, when this light came on for me, I was 17 years old. I'll never forget being in a Honda Civic living in Nederland, Texas. And I would floor it, I'll never forget, dropping it into second gear, a little stick shift hatchback, taking a corner, speeding to get to church. And I started laughing at myself. And I'm like, Frankie, this is almost hysterical. You are speeding. I'm 19. You're speeding to church so you don't miss the first song. And I caught myself because I'd never been like that. And I thought, what in the world is happening to me? It was at that season of my life where I realized I have an opportunity to come into the house of God and to worship Him and to tell Him thank you. See, worship is when you say thank you. Worship is when you give. And when I start preaching, that's when you receive. So I decided at that point in my life, I'm not showing up late just so I can receive. I'm showing up early because I got some giving to do. Are you with me? So Paul is saying, we have an incredible host. This is his house. He's the host. When you come in here, give him proper honor. Don't just kind of go through the motions like, I went to church. This is how I used to sit in church. I promise. And I had this thought. If Jesus were to walk through that door right now, would I be proud of the way I'm sitting? And then I asked myself, I remember exactly where I was. I was in Rockford, Illinois. How would I sit if I looked across this room and I saw Jesus walk in? How would I sit? And I looked at myself and I went, you cocky, arrogant little punk. How would you sit? And I went, just like this. And it dawned on me, Jesus is in this room. I just can't see him. Let's give him the proper honor and respect. Is this helping anybody today? Number three, enjoy the feast for all it's worth. Let's see the parallel here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26... It reads like this, for every time, everybody say every time, one, two, three, every time, you guys sound good, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes back. What, what I like there is, is, first of all, the terms every time, that means every Sunday, every Wednesday, but then he uses the words announcing like the, the word announce it's like hey that's how you make an announcement an announcement is like hey like if there's just like two of us in the room there's not really an announcement that's me sharing some information with you when I was in school they used to have a PA announcement every single morning you guys might remember this the principal would get on at like 8 15 and have an announcement hello hello and it'd ring and check, 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 and we'd all have to get quiet. If I have an announcement, hey, everybody, I got an announcement. It's like, be big, be outgoing, expressive about how you feel every time. Now, I want to say all this in, 
in the context of God knows your personality. And he doesn't expect all of us to act like each other. That's not how he's wired up. He doesn't expect outgoing people to be um, passive people. And he doesn't want passive people to be outgoing. But he does want your soul and your spirit to give it your best when you come and have and partake of the dinner of God. And um, I'll draw some parallels of when you're not in the house of God in a minute. But that's what he means there. Number four, unusual prayers are fitting here. So when you're, uh, let, let me read real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Man, that is heavy, isn't it? But what he's saying is, you know, when we have communion, and if you're just taking it and shooting it back like it's a shot glass, if you come in the house of the Lord and and there's not an, uh, a respect, and there's not an honor. You know, uh, I'm a little bit old school, you know. Um, like, my, my mom goes to a church where you can, like, come in and eat while the preacher's preaching. Uh, and that's, that's, that's cool for them. I'm not going to judge anyone. I'm just saying I'm old school. You come in here. If my kid, I have three, um, only two can feed themselves, but um, if if... If, uh, if my kids come in here eating a Big Mac, I, I'm going to give them a Big Mac. You know what I mean? Is there anyone here old school like that? You don't come in the house of God eating a Big Mac. You don't come in here drinking a Slurpee. You, you don't come in here, you know, uh, even if I'm in this sanctuary alone, I don't expect people to be yelling in here. This is the house of God. You don't come in here and throw a football around. Are you with me? Are you with, are you with me? This is, there's honor here. And, and what, what the, the Word of God is saying is He's saying, look, you bring judgment upon yourself if you come without honoring. So how do we honor? What are the practical ways of honoring God? It has nothing to do with, I mean, our worship leader has a, a hat on his head. Um, and so it's, it's, not, it, it's way deeper than the clothes you wear or the hat you have on your head. It's, it's way deeper than that. What God does is he sees how your heart beats. And we have got to come to him with complete humility of, I need you. And if you're not with me, I don't want to live. I need you. I need you. I need you. Uh, our worship leader's got a hat on. Our drummer has a hat on. I should have a hat on. It, it, <laughs> just kidding. It, it's, it's, it's way deeper than our external. has everything to do with our internal. That there's this humility and hunger. And then, when, in the moments where we're like, you know what, I don't really feel hungry towards the God. I, I don't really feel like I, I want more or I'm desperate for Him. That's when we should be scared. That's when we should be nervous. That's when we need to say, God, I'm nervous 
that I'm not nervous. Does that make sense? Like, God, I need you, I need you to do something miraculous because I don't come in here saying, I need you. And I know I should, so help me. And the Lord will see your heart. Do you know somebody in the Bible came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want you to heal my daughter. And Jesus looked back at him and said, well, if you believe, it'll happen. And then he got real transparent and he said, will you help my unbelief? In other words, I want to believe. I just, I'm having trouble. And Jesus healed his daughter. Jesus loves authenticity and transparency. He loves it. We don't have to fake it. He sees it. But when we get set in our ways and we have a stubborn spirit, the Bible calls us stiff-necked. Stiff-necked. God's got a problem with that. Number five. Everybody say number five. Wash your hands before you eat. Let's read. Uh, I'm going to go back one verse and read verse 28. And then I'm going to jump a few verses and read verse 31. So I'm going to read 28 and then 31. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 and 31. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Verse 31. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So when we get ready to receive from God, we should examine ourselves. Is there anything I need to say I'm sorry for? Is there anything I need to ask forgiveness for? Is there, you know what the Bible says about asking for forgiveness and repentance? It says, ask, repent, so times of refreshing may come. So for those of us that feel stressed out, and you would love nothing more than to be refreshed, begin to repent. And you may say, well, there's nothing I need to repent for. Find at least one thing. Just find one and just repent for that one thing. And the Holy Spirit is so kind and gentle. Let's start bringing things to our remembrance. And all of a sudden, it'll be two things and then three things and then four things and then five things. And we find ourselves repenting. And then in the process of saying, dear God, I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for my arrogance. I'm sorry for my pride. I'm sorry for my anger. I'm sorry for the way I've been speaking to people. In the process of repenting, God starts refreshing. You will notice in yourself that your spirit begins to be refreshed. Have you ever walked into church tired, exhausted, and then walk out feeling good. How in the world does that happen? Well, you come in here, you humble yourself, you start saying, I'm sorry, you start worshiping him, and times of refreshing come. And so the Bible says real clearly, check yourself. Come walk in and check yourself. Because if you don't check yourself, when you stand before God, God's going to look at you and say, hey, you stiff-necked rebellious, whitewashed tomb. So check yourself. And then let the times of refreshing come. Yeah, I got to tell you, there's times where I come to God and, and I just want to be refreshed. I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I know I'm tired when I start getting irritated. How many of you know yourself well enough 
that when this happens, you know that it really means this. Does that make sense? You know yourself well enough. Like when my whole family is irritating me, I know I'm either hungry or tired. (laughs) Because when everybody is irritating me, then I realize that I'm probably the problem. Probably the problem. It's not a definite. It's just possibly could be the problem. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm hungry or tired. I realize, man, if maybe I need to eat and sleep. And, and sometimes I do both. I wake up at 2 in the morning and eat and go back to sleep. And, and Never mind. Uh, it was supposed to be a joke. But uh, anyway, um, but the Bible says that when I get exhausted and tired, I just go to God and start asking him to forgive me of my sins. And I feel the refreshing come over me. Two other Thanksgiving table manners. What I did for the last few minutes, I compared five with five, but I want to share two more real quickly. Do all you can to share the day. Uh, Share the day. I'm going to circle back around to one of the points that I shared earlier about sharing what we have. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus uh, was telling his disciples a parable about this great supper. And he says... This supper is going to be so great. It's going to be so phenomenal. And Isaiah, you can come on up. Um, It's going to be so great, but I don't want to just share it with you guys. And and so I want you to go out to uh, all the alleys. My version of the Bible is the New Living Bible. I want you to go out there and invite them, bring them in. See, God is the kind of God that he doesn't want a table of five. He wants a table of 55 in a restaurant. You know what I mean? He wants a big table and he wants a lot of people there. And he's telling this story about how his disciples went out and they invited people and nobody came. And then he says, well, then go further than that. Go all the way out to the highways and invite them. And they came back and I said, we can't get anybody to come. So there's lots of different points that we could extract from that. But what I want to say is, look at the heart of God. And if he could walk into this room right now, he would tell you that he loves you. And then he would say, go out and get somebody and bring them in here. That's one of them. The second and final table manner is don't miss dinner even if you're late. Um, Every Thanksgiving, there's always somebody in my family running ridiculously late. Does anyone have that? Are you that person? (laughs) There's always somebody running late. And and so naturally they'll call and they'll say, hey, I'm so sorry, I'm running late, I'm running late, I'm running late. This happens every year. It's always somebody. And and, uh, uh, knock on wood, it's not going to be me this year, but uh, it's always somebody running late. And our response is always the same. And what do you think that response is? Don't worry about it. Just get here. Don't worry about it. Just get here. Even if you're running late, just get in here. We want you in. And Jesus would say to everyone here whose heart is far from him and you're running a little bit late, Jesus would say back to you, hey, it's all right. Just get in here. Just get in here. 
If your heart has been far, you're right, it shouldn't have been. You should have left a little bit earlier. You should have ran to him a little bit earlier. But you know what? That's not what you say on the phone, and that's not what he says either. He just says, that's all right. Just get in here. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. 